you should put in a little um, a little thing in at the beginning saying like, hey, if the audio is really bad at the beginning, skip to like halfway through, you know, rather than just shutting the whole thing off. Thanks for the tip, Andrew. This is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the brightly lit forest in Meadowdale, Washington, where I am currently not going to chase after the ice cream man. I am one of your hosts. My name is Tim Kilkenny. I'm from Hood River, Oregon, trying to recover from a cold and rainy camping trip. I'm Andrew Hoffman. All right. So I saw an ice cream truck drive by a few minutes ago. Looked like nice. looked like a uh, one of those creepy. I mean, it, it's creepy now, but do you remember like the eighties and nineties? Like everybody had a conversion van. <laughs> uh, sort of. Yeah, everybody had a van. Did everybody yeah. not have a van yeah. out here? No, there were there were a lot of vans. There were a lot of vans for all the windsurfers around here. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, there probably so. yeah, yeah, there still is. Well, this this guy comes driving around and. I don't want to be racist. This is definitely not racist, but I feel like it was an immigrant thing. Like he's he's driving around. He's got this conversion van. He has all these stickers on it. He's playing the ice cream mu- music, right? So he's got the attention mm-hmm. of me, my eighteen month old, and my wife. We're staring out the window. But Ashley's like, the van creeps me out. I'm not sure about this. So then we watch yeah. we watch the guy make the turn, and I'm sure he's a nice guy, right? But like here in the U.S. Driving a, a a big white van that's making you know ice cream truck noises and has ice cream truck stickers on the side of it. Don't just wear like all black with a giant pair of sunglasses on and a giant like a big black beard. Like it just I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it just it just. And then I'm like I turned to Ashley. I'm like he's probably some super nice like Muslim guy or something. You know. But, <laughs> you know. But it just he doesn't know that. Hey. This is a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit of a creepy look. So, uh, rainy, rainy, uh, fishing trip over there. Yeah. We, we timed our, our camping trip to last like camping. Sorry. During the, uh, definitely the worst weather of the past month. So wow, it was, it was in the forties and pouring rain. And then at night it was in the, 30s in pouring rain so oh that's horrible yeah. and so you think that's why the the, pe- the kids got sick yeah uh possibly yeah yeah okay it's been a weird spring for for the old viruses yeah there's been a lot of sick people at work too for me so. interesting interesting so um i wanted to talk about something just real quick we had one of the one of the listeners to our show Mr. Paul from Texas actually came up here to the Great Northwest. Was going on that Alaska cruise, which of course oh, wow. leaves here out of Seattle. So he spent a spent a day with us. To spend a day over here at the house. So 
he uh, came to the, the lovely area of Edmonds, him and his new uh, wife, and uh, yeah, they've been married two years now, so it's not that new, but uh, yeah, it was cool to get a visit with uh, one of the family members of the show, you know, he's he's been around from the beginning, the yeah. Tim and Mike show days, and then on from there, so um, I also got a chance to talk with him at length about you know a lot of different stuff, but I had to mention that did you know that we have like a number one fan in the form of a fifteen year old girl that is his daughter oh wow yep yep oh. sure. yep he even uh he said that uh like an unnamed generation member yes exactly. <laughs> And uh, he said that uh, when we came back on, she had like the, the biggest grin on her face when she found out that we were doing the show again. So I thought that oh, was really, nice. I thought that was really sweet, and it helped, makes you think, right? Like, what what kind of ridiculousness are we spouting? And uh, we can hear, you know, oh, they hear way worse than us in school. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. So anyway, we just want to say hello to our number one fan. Of course, her name is Ellie. So hello, Ellie. And thank you for listening. And uh, I guess we can get to the show now. Did she get to go on the cruise too, or was that just a? No, I think that was an adult thing. Okay, it was, it was just the mom and the the mom and the dad, the the, the adulting thing. So, yep. Well, hopefully that went well. Those cruises, you know, have been a little hit hit and miss lately. What do you mean? No, there's been quite a few. You know, everybody breaks out in horrible food poisoning or some other norovirus m- mishap on the uh, on cruise ships lately the cruise they were getting ready to go on had recently had an outbreak of norovirus <laughs> it's probably they probably got a good deal so, <laughs> <laughs> probably the best time to go then huh yeah so anyway into the uh what's going on out there in the world of news today is there anything happening at all? Oh, same old, same old. Yeah. A lot of the same uh, old stuff. Wars over advertising. Um, yeah, I don't have any particular place I wanted to... Well, let's... Hey, you know... Here, we're I'll talking s- about the beginning of the show. Let's let's uh, do the Bilderberg story from CNBC.com. Okay. Not not that it's that amazing, but uh, there is a clip. This if you open it up, it, the second video option. The first one is just um, words on the screen. So if you wanted to play the the second one, and then I could read the the story. The secretive Bilderberg elite are worried about the post-truth world. Some of the planet's most powerful people will take part in the infamously secretive Bilderberg meeting that begins Thursday to discuss their most pressing concerns. Russia, free trade, and the post-truth world are on the agenda. Political leaders and experts from industry, finance, academia, and the media will take part in the annual conference. This is from Holly Elliott. I've never heard of her. Uh, CNBC.com. Some of the planet's most powerful people will take part in the infamous secretive Bilderberg meeting that begins Thursday, yada yada, that was in the summary. Political leaders and experts, um, so far, 131 participants from 23 countries have confirmed their attendance, Bilderberg's organizers said. Some of the names on this year's guest list include the president of the World Economic Forum, Borge Brende, the CEOs of Airbus, DeepMind, and Total, as well as 
Mark Carney, Governor of the Bank of England, and Ryanair's Michael O'Leary. The meeting is chaired by the French businessman Henri de Castries, and he leads the organization's steering committee. The key topics for discussion at this year's meeting were published by its organizers Wednesday, giving an insight into what are deemed the most pressing issues in global affairs. Number one, populism in Europe. Number two, the inequality challenge. Three, the future of work. And I'll editorialize by saying, we don't need people anymore. Uh, Number four, artificial intelligence, related to number three. Number five, the U.S. before midterms. Six, free trade. Seven, U.S. world leadership. Eight, Russia. Nine, quantum computing. Ten, Saudi Arabia and Iran. 11, the post-truth world, and 12, current events. Some issues like the rise of anti-establishment politics and populism in Europe, persistent inequality in the West-Trick relationship with the resurgent Russia and Saudi Arabia and Iran's enmity have been around for a while. Others like the rise of artificial intelligence and quantum computing reflect uncertainty over mankind's relationship with technology. Politics and geopolitics dominate the list, However, with the themes of Russia, the Middle East, and U.S. world leadership and the domestic political environment ahead of the midterm elections in November, uh, the arrival of President Trump in the White House has thrown out the old way of doing politics and heralded a renegade style of politics. Meanwhile, scandals involving allegations of the mass use of social media to influence elections also relates to a blurring of objective fact and fiction, hence the post-truth world the Bilderberg Group will describe we'll discuss because of course uh that's all on the internet the the television is is the truth environment that's not the post-truth environment um post-truth which was oxford english dictionary's word of the year in 2016 is an adjective defined by the dictionary compiler as relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief And then uh, discretion is the word. Founded in 1954, the Bilderberg Meeting is an annual event designed to foster dialogue between Europe and North America, organizers say. The meeting is renowned for its secretive content. About two-thirds of participants come from Europe and the rest from North America, approximately a quarter from politics and government and the rest from other fields, organizers said in a statement Wednesday. Discretion, as always, is de rigueur. The conference is a forum for informal discussions about major issues facing the world. Okay, you got it ready there, Tim? That's where world leaders from politics to industry discuss. Well, we have no clue what they discuss, because Bilderberg is an invite-only, ultra-secret conference where the press is not allowed, no minutes are released, and security is super tight. But to whet conspiracy theorists' appetite, they are kind enough to release the guest list. So this year, the heels near the Austrian city of Telt will be alive with the sound of Google chairman Eric Schmidt chatting with the UK Chancellor George Osborne. CEOs and execs from the world's biggest companies, including airlines and banks, will also be there, from HSBC to GP Morgan and Deutsche Bank. Jen Stoltenberg, the head of NATO, might be interested in catching up with prime ministers from around the world, while David Petraeus, the four-star general and former director of the CIA, might want a private chat with John Sawyers, the former head of MI6. 
Just like every year, expect to see images of protesters. Over the decades, the group has been accused of triggering the Serbian war and trying to impose a new world order. But really, security issues, terrorism and the environment are more likely to be discussed. All right. Did you did you like the clip of the protesters? Yeah, uh, yeah it was just people s- screaming at an S-class Mercedes as it drove by. Oh, well, one of those people was Alex Jones with the bullhorn. Okay. And two people over from him is someone in a Confederate flag bandana. I noticed that. That's really <laughs> weird. So, I thought that inter- was weird. They managed to... to to tell you who these protesters are. Ah, yes, yes, they sure did. <laughs> Very interesting. Oh, they protest this, but clearly the real things that will be talked about are this. Right. Even though the beginning of the report said we have no idea what they talk about, and yet the article has a list of topics they talk about. So, I don't know, it's very uh, um, kind of it was not a great report. I'm not saying that. Just interesting that there's a report on CNBC about Bilderberg. Yeah, like, this, is, this is how far we've we're come. Old, we're old enough to re- remember when uh, Bilderberg was a conspiracy theory, and then it was like, it just was not mentioned in mainstream media, period. Just absolutely not. And then it was like, okay, but it's a joke. We're going to do a jokey story about it. And this still was, but it wasn't um, as uh, jokey as as even a couple of years ago. So it's like, oh, you know, yeah, people don't like it for some reason. We don't really know why, but there's really, you know, they're just just doing their best to figure things out. It's kind of the, the message after you watch the Microsoft ad. Microsoft, and they've gone the way of super invasive spying as well. Uh, You know, the new Windows 10, I've heard from many people, and I've looked at kind of the settings inside it. Uh, It's uh, definitely high monitoring content. Yeah. So, yeah. What do you? What's going on with uh, Korea? What's your your thoughts on it? What, What What are we doing here? It's the art of the deal. You think it's still the art of the deal? You think it's... Uh... Yeah, the deal's already done. I, did we do a show after, like, oh, the meeting's off, the meeting's off? Did we have a show in there? I can't remember. I don't think we did. I don't think we that's did either. Too, that's too bad, because I was going to say, it'll be back on. Remember when it was originally on, I said, oh, you know, it's not a, not a done deal that the meeting's going to happen. But then... When they said the meeting's off, and I'm like, oh, okay. This is, it. it is a done deal. It's the art of the deal, you think? Yeah, this is just, uh, now, but it is, uh, and I did throw a Giuliani story in here. Okay. Uh, where he says in the Wall Street Journal, Kim Jong-un begged for the summit on his hands and knees, which... The only reason you would say that is if you're trying to sabotage the event from happening. True. Like, on his hands and knees, it's incredibly insulting. I mean, like, so now we're going to have to have 
Kim Jong Un come out and or ha- have one of his people freak out about it and say it's off again and then whatever it'll get pushed back. It'll probably get pushed back to uh, uh, September, maybe early October. That's what a that's my prediction. Okay. Okay. The de- deal's done, but the deal's they'll done. they'll save it for a uh, midterm election show. That's a that's a that's a good a good uh, guess. I hope you're right. But I but I think uh, I think Giuliani's a a bad actor. I oh, think yeah. he's in there. He's. I, think, I mean, I think, let, I let, a, let us not forget nine eleven. Yeah, we never yeah. been fans of him on this show. Nine yeah. eleven never went into Building Seven, even though that was what he was supposed to do. It's where everybody was supposed to go. He decided to set up shop just down the street instead. Um, never even attempted to go into Building Seven. Uh, just, Hard hardcore warmonger. Yep, that didn't allow for any kind of investigation of the evidence. Just yeah. you started moving it out out of there like right away. Um, and that's saying, "Oh yeah, Trump can pardon himself." What? What is he talking about? I don't know. <laughs> don't like, know. what sort of lawyer says, oh, yeah, he can pardon himself? That's like saying, oh, he's guilty of something. Right, yeah, yeah. Ah, it's, I, I don't know. Maybe there, I kind of thought with the first crazy interview, there was a method to the madness there, and, and he was on, like, this was a mission from Trump. Right. But, uh, yeah, I... If I were Trump, I would not trust Giuliani. I think he does, though. I think they're kind of a secret New York cabal, to be honest with you. <laughs> Seriously, Maybe, I'm not, I'm not yeah. joking. I, yeah. I feel like this is this is uh, Obama and uh, what's his name all over again. Um, the man, Rahm Emanuel. Yeah, Rahm Emanuel. It's Obama and mm-hmm. Rahm Emanuel all over again. They they had some plans. They've done some deals. They got dirt on each other, and they're in it in it to win it. They're you know. Like it or lo- like it or hate it, they're kind of bound to each other. That's my my feelings on the matter. So <laughs> anyway, uh, this is what. I was so do, just- so do you think do you think Giuliani's just like uh, messing up, or do you think this is Trump's messaging also? Like, do you think he's saying what he, Trump wants him to say? Uh, I think they're both on top of the world right now, and they you know they've r- risen up from the ashes of the nine eleven. And all of the stuff, and then Giuliani's failed presidential candidacy, and now they're both just so kind of full of themselves. They'll say anything, and uh, we know Trump, you know, is a little bit more calculated with his words. But I think, I think Giuliani just likes the FaceTime, just to you know, just to hey, I'm still an American actor. I'm still here, you know, like <laughs> I'm right. Good. I'm I'm relevant. I'm relevant here. You know, let's continue this. You know, like minute. kind of the. Chris Christie thing, like yeah, yeah. get me in the photo. I want to be in the photo. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, get me, get it. Get, you know, I, he could pardon himself. Now all of a sudden, everybody's saying Giuliani. When it, whereas before, nobody was saying his name at all. They're just like, oh yeah, that clown. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, uh, this will be interesting to talk to you about since you haven't heard about it. But uh, one of the uh, Milwaukee Bucks was oh okay yeah really yeah you now you know what I'm talking about right yeah. He was tased. Uh, Milwaukee police released body cam video of arrests, tasing of an NBA player, Sterling Brown. 
Milwaukee police. Now, this story is a little bit old. This is from May 23rd, but we haven't done a show in a little bit, and there's been some updates. So, Milwaukee police on Wednesday released video of a January 26th arrest of tasing NBA player Donald Sterling, who said in a statement, situations like mine and worse happen every day in the black community. Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales apologized Wednesday for his department, how his department handled the situation and the officers involved had been disciplined. By the way, the officers involved that have been disciplined received less than two weeks suspension with pay. Uh, Brown was arrested. Yeah, at, that's yeah. My, that's the, my, the old reassignment. Right. Uh, Brown was arrested at 2 a.m. Everybody out there ready who hasn't heard about this yet. Christians, non-Christians, basketball fans, non-basketball fans alike. Check this out. Brown was arrested at 2 a.m. in a Walgreens parking lot by officers who used a stun gun. Officers have been checking on a vehicle parked across two handicapped spaces. Brown was not charged. Officers initially uh, claimed Brown was threatening them uh, while they were writing him a ticket. At no point in the video does Brown appear to be threatening or violent to the officers before he was tased and arrested. Brown said in a statement on Wednesday that the incident has forced me to stand up and tell my story so that I can prevent these injustices from happening in the future. There's no easy solutions to this problem. Uh, Okay, a couple things on this story. One, the unbelievable uh, statement that the the police chief made before the uh, body cam footage came out. He actually said, I've seen the footage... And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. We're going to need a lot of your prayers and support. He like went to the black community, the pastors in the area, and said, "Hey, we're going to need a lot of we're going to, we're going to need you guys' support." I've seen this video camera, or you know, this video. So then, of course, everybody makes a big deal out of that. Like, uh oh, they must have really messed up. And then you go watch the video cam, and I did. And of course, the guy who they pulled the body camera footage—not the guy who tases him, just some guy off to the right who has one of the worst views of the entire situation. And, of course, it seems like Sterling Brown parked across a couple of spaces. And I don't know, did he go to a basketball game and then come out or go to practice and then come out? So he's parked kind of like an idiot. Um, but, he, you know, it's a parking violation, right? Right. This was one at of the, two in the morning. At, at two in the morning. <laughs> now let's, let's. I mean, let's, is there really a, a run on quality parking spaces at Walgreens at two in the morning? The reason this this story bothered me is because I've never seen a more clear cut example of police just being scared of a six foot five black guy, and right. then, And then just taking it to the guy never raises his voice, not once. He is way more patient with them than I would have been. I honestly feel like as a white person, I would have been in and out of there in 10 minutes. Seriously. I would have rolled up. Some jerk would have wrote me a ticket. I would have stood there, fumed, and maybe made a comment, and then got my ticket and went home. They surround this guy like they're going to fight him. There's one guy who is just itching to do something the whole time. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, they question him and ask him this and ask him that. And he's answering the questions, but he's a little annoyed. He's not rude at any point. They bring like four to five cop cars around. There's got to be eight police officers standing there. And my favorite part of all, the moment that he crosses some sort of a line where they decide that he's now a threat because he's not cooperating or answering their question that they like, they all decide to jump on him. And there was that half a second, like a second to a second and a half where... Real 
like physical ability came into play and like all six of them couldn't get him down. <laughs> there was like a moment where he lifted everyone up. And and it's like, well, yeah, he's a professional and these idiots they 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 tase him, throw him to the ground. You know, actually they throw him to the ground, then tase him. I mean, it's ridiculous. He did. He held them up for a second. They he, they tase him. There's a guy standing on his ankle. This is the new video that's come out this week. Guy standing on his ankle, and one of the other guys says, "Doesn't he look? Doesn't isn't that such and such?" And it was a wrong NBA player or something. He said, "Didn't he, wasn't that isn't that such and such NBA player?" And he turns the guy, the guy. He's on the ground, and one of the one of the officers is standing, literally standing on his ankles. And he says, "Why are you standing on my ankles?" He's like, "So you don't kick us." And then he said something like, "Isn't that?" And somebody said, "The NBA player." And he goes, "Don't I look familiar?" Don't I look familiar? And you can see this look <laughs> go over the guy who's standing on him's face. Yeah, like, oh, no, oh, he can no. afford lawyers. And he goes, and he, goes <laughs> he turns and he goes, yeah, and I'm going to need all. And the guy is so calm. He's been tased. He's still laying on the ground. They're standing on him. He's parked in the wrong spot. He's parked in a bad spot, and this is where he ends up. And he says, I'm going to need all y'all badge numbers and all y'all, and I'm going to need a written report of this. And you can just watch the blood drain out of a couple of their faces. It's horrible, man. It's horrible. Yeah. They got like a month and a half or a week and a half suspended with pay. And this is an now, NBA player. And like I said, this is the most cut and dry example I can think of where as a white person, I feel good about my chances not ending up in that situation. And it, But I mean... It's Milwaukee, so it's you know it's it's a little it's in my Midwest. I love the Midwest. I've been to Milwaukee just a few months ago, but it just you know it's a little bit segregated, and there's a little bit of that racism going on and stuff. And cops are just trigger happy; they're just looking for a reason. And that one guy, he was staring up at him like he wanted to fight the whole time. And it, it's just sick, man. It's just sick. Anyway, I to end rant. Yeah, and well. You know, it's uh, maybe as a white guy, I still get beat up by the cops because that's how they are these days. Yeah, I mean, statistically, you're not any more likely to get shot. If you're actually less likely to be shot if you're black committing a crime than if you're white committing a crime. Wow. But um, you're, and you're more likely to get shot if you're black by a black police officer right. than by a white police officer. Right. Right. The guy who wanted to fight him was not white. He was not black either, though. I believe I would guess Latino, uh, but I'm not sure. It's just I'm just just kind of my own eye test. Uh, well, I think the thing that really bothers me about this is no one in the world would know about it if he wasn't an NBA player who can definitely afford right. some attorneys and yeah. It's just if if they had, you know. Because they didn't actually kill him. They right. didn't pull the Bart cop thing and like, oh, I thought I was reaching for my stun gun and I shot him in the back while he was handcuffed. Right. Um, um, he doesn't. He doesn't die. But he just. It's just. It's just crazy. It's just. So, and then we got you know, guys like Michael Bennett out here saying he's a you know being oppressed, and then I'm with him, and then we see the videotape, and he's just an idiot. So I'm calling people. <laughs> I'm calling people idiots. So gotta. Well. Yeah, I mean that's that's the other side of it. It's just uh, police bad behavior definitely exists, and it exists um, for black people. It exists for white people. It exists for everybody. Now, I would say there there is an element of 
you're especially drug crimes and stuff you're more likely to get arrested for it if you're black than if you're white been the case but uh i can't believe you let me talk into my default microphone this whole time oh (laughs) how did it how bad did it sound uh not terrible (laughs) you've said that before that's all right that's my own fault i should have double checked it when i started it up um moving right along um, did you did you change it? I just changed it. Yeah, and my okay. now now my audio settings are behaving a lot more uh, as I thought they would. So we uh, should sound a lot better. I apologize for that intro to the show and the sound there for the last I don't know forty minutes. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> I wanted to. I threw this. I threw a couple stories I thought uh, you might be interested in. Okay. Um. This comes from defensenews.com. Troubling U.S. Navy review finds widespread shortfalls in basic seamanship. Now, these stories happened while we were on our hiatus. Got it. Uh, But I'm sure you've, you know, paid attention to them since you were in the Navy. Of ships getting run into, people dying, just... And it, in a lot of ways, it to me made no sense whatsoever. It's like, how does are they covering up the story? Is there right. a you know? Uh, I've I saw you know kind of conspiracy theory sites saying that these ships were hacked by the Chinese, and you know that's to cause the collisions, um, or you know it was an intentional collision from the other ship. It seems like how does that how is that even possible for the, for that to happen? So this report, so um, I'll read part of the report. You'll get the idea, um, and then I want your take on it as far as like, yeah, legit sounds right, or like cover up for what really happened. Got it. Yeah. Um, A three-month internal review conducted by senior U.S. surface fleet leaders found some or significant concerns with the ship handling skills of nearly 85% of its its junior officers, and that many struggled to react decisively to extricate their ship from danger when there was an an immediate risk of collision, according to an internal message obtained by Defense News. Led by the Surface Warfare Officer School, Officer of the Deck Competency Checks were conducted on a random selection of OOD qualified first tour division officers, the newest officers in the fleet, in underway bridge navigation simulators fleet-wide between January and March. Of the 164 officers who were evaluated, only 27 passed with no concerns. Another 108 completed with some concerns, and 29 had significant concerns. According to the message which was released by the Navy's top surface warfare officer, Vice Admiral Richard Brown. Brown, who leads Naval Service Surface Force Pacific, termed the results sobering. The evaluations raised distressing questions about the level of ship handling training junior officers get both prior to their arrival at their first command and when they arrive. In a Tuesday interview with Defense News at the Pentagon, Brown said the checks would be used to inform new training and development for young officers and that changes were already underway that show the Navy is serious about self-assessment and improvement in the wake of twin disasters that claim the lives of 
17 sailors last summer. Among the shortfalls identified in the checks, officers struggled with the operating radars and the associated tools at hand, an issue that emerged in the wake of the Fitzgerald incident. Officers had a firm grasp of grasp of the international rules of the road for navigating ships at sea, but struggled to apply them practically during watch standing, especially in low visibility situations. And most officers were able to keep clear of those encounters with other ships in the simulator, but those that found themselves in extremists were often ill-equipped to take immediate action to avoid collisions, a factor that was a direct contributor to the loss of life in both the John S. McCain and Fitzgerald collisions in 2017. All right, so... Uh, what do you think? All right, so I I'll, I'll give my two cents with the understanding that I'm I was probably part of the problem. Uh, I actually never did spend any time on a bridge. The only time I went to the bridge was when I got sent there because I got in trouble to, and had to talk to the captain. But <laughs> <laughs> um, that full disclosure aside, this does make some sense, especially the officers had a firm grasp of international rules. But didn't uh, shoot. Didn't know how to apply them. Didn't know how to apply. Yeah, officer yeah. a firm grasp of international rules of navigating ships at sea, but struggled to apply them practically during watch standing, especially during low uh, visibility situations. The officer doesn't steer the ship. Guess who does? A, a lowly enlisted person, a boatswain's mate. Um, the officer's in charge of the ship. He's in, if the boatswain's mate steers into something, it's the officer's fault. It's his responsibility. Um, but they're not who steers the ship. The enlisted people do. Um, that's what a quartermaster or boatswain's mate, but probably a quartermaster, and that's their rate, quartermaster, would do. Um, uh, officer struggled operating radars. Absolutely. Associated tools at hand. Absolutely. Because they're not usually doing it. They're just giving the orders. Um, and I think in the old days, it used to be, you know, that the captain could come up and take command of his ship and, mm. you know, start driving it and, you know, know yeah. knows where he's going and makes a, makes a call. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But everything got so compartmentalized over time that I don't think the officers on the bridge know how to steer the ship. And to further that point, I was on an aircraft carrier, of course, uh, so not the easiest ship in the world to steer, but we actually had a civilian pilot, they called him, a pilot, uh, come out anytime we were going into a port uh, and we had to dock, because the thing's like an eighth of a mile long, right? So you got to like parallel park that thing. Well, there was civilian pilots who worked in individual ports around the world who would fly <laughs> out, land on our on our boat, you know, in a plane or whatever, and then go up to the bridge and park the car. Like, park the... Yeah. We were the... They, that was who did it. It, was, it wasn't It was the captain. It was, you know, John, you know, <laughs> such and such. Who, who knew that Who knew that really port, well. who, who, you know, in yeah. Singapore or whatever. Who knows the deep spots in the port, where to put the boat in the port, how to do it. And they would come out, and they're the ones that parked it. So then you, you take that, you know, a step further. You're out to sea... Uh, quartermaster watch literally is steering the ship. The officer's just there. Um, I can totally see that they're so compartmentalized where it's like, it sounds, that, I mean, that sounds textbook. Firm grasp on international rules of the road. I know the rules. No mm-hmm. idea how to steer. Like that's, I think that, I honestly think, <laughs> I, seriously, I think that's, yeah, I think that's, that's real. I think that's the training covered yeah. the rules and they probably know them at nauseum. But the quartermaster passes out how do you steer the ship? That's the enlisted person. I mean, 
a lot of the you know real work is done by the enlisted people, especially on a navy boat. Um, and so the officers are just kind of supervisors. I could totally see in an extreme you know emergency so you, you situation. Think, so in the simulator, they're having to actually run the controls, which they don't normally do. Exactly. I that's my that's my guess. In the simulator, they're expected to be like an old school captain where they take control of their mm-hmm. own ship. And I and I would say a bunch of them didn't pass. Yeah. Now, you know, the the a lot of these guys they're on small ships, man. And it, I'm not saying it's easy to get put in charge of these, you know, smaller ships or anything, but it's not as hard. You know, captains that are captains of uh aircraft carriers end up becoming you know, admirals, and then they run for Congress. You know, like they're a they're a whole different breed. You could, I think, you could easily make your way onto a small ship and be cap. You know, you don't even have, you don't even have to be the rank of captain. You could easily be just a commander or a lieutenant commander on a, on a small ship and end up being the captain of that boat, standing on the watch, fresh out of school or a couple years in. And mm-hmm. you know, and there's a very good chance at that point you have some you know quartermaster who's a chief who's been in the navy for 25 years you lean on his understanding of what the boat does, right? Like, it's just, anyway, so yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but it's sad. It sounds like, it sounds to me like what I saw, which was complete compartmentalization, um, of all of the things on the boat. If you just do your job, then that's it. I Mm -hmm. I have to this day, I have no idea how to tie a knot. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) which is your job, which is kind of messed up. But I mean, when I'm launching airplanes off the flight deck, Trying not to get blown over the side. There's no point. Is there any time to tie any rope? So yeah. that that was my job, and that was so. I mean, I kind of believe it. It could be cover up, but I totally believe that a bunch of them failed and well, when, didn't know how to steer. Yeah, I I kind of believe the report also, but I I don't necessarily think that that fully explains what happened in those two incidents. No, that's true. That one where they collided in mid. Uh, and killed a bunch of people. I mean, that's it's just. I, I it's still when I heard it, it boggled my mind. I thought, no way, that's U.S. Navy. Is it really? Oh, that's not. Yeah. That's not good. Because there's so much. Like that's the other thing in the article. They don't know how to handle the radar. The 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 stuff that's on the boats these days is like out of this world, right? And the, I remember being on the bridge, and you could see like the planes. You can see on the radar where the planes are. I guess that's actually in the radar room. But I mean, there's so much. There's so much going on there. It's so much like high technology. It's just it boggles the mind to think that you could run into another boat with the yeah I'm, with the same amount the, of technology. Right. You would think the other boat would have, I you know, should, like they should just pulled a Washington State ferry and just. Bah. <laughs> yeah. So well, and uh, what you were talking about with the pilots on the, I know on the Columbia River, like oh, I'm the sure. place where the Columbia River yeah. goes into the Pacific Ocean, is a really tricky uh, navigation thing. So it's the same thing. Like for the last, however, you know, it's not a very long distance, but it doesn't matter how good of a pilot you are, taking what ship you're taking down the Columbia, you're turning that over to to people that that's what they do. So what do you think it's navigate half, that last half mile wide right there? So, yeah, it's because I just want to describe it for people. It's a half mile wide and there's probably 25% of it that you'd be able to put a boat through. Yeah. The entire Northern 25% to almost 50% is like shallow enough. You can see rocks and parts of it. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very uh, treacherous stretch. But uh, for anybody out there with kids or who, or hey, kids who are listening, um, that job pays really, really well. Yeah. <laughs> like, learn how to steer Really, a really, really <laughs> well. Like, I talked to one of them in Singapore, and uh, he did okay. He just yeah. hung out in Singapore, waited for the call, and then he'd bring, you know, these oil tankers or cargo ships, in this case, the, you know, aircraft carrier, and then swing them in you there probably, and park them. You probably don't want to ever mess up. No. But <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't. I bet your insurance rates are astronomical. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Um, there was another story I wanted to cover. Nothing, something that we've never covered on this show, but I think we should at least touch on because a, a lot of the uh, the alternative in air quotes uh, media is kind of going in that direction. But have you? What's your take on this QAnon situation? And then have you seen this like child sex torture place that's like found in the in the desert in Arizona in uh, the people that are going out there, these ex-veterans and stuff, it's like a new YouTube uprising. Have you seen any, any of this? Uh, so the QAnon thing I've seen mainly just in the comment section on articles. Like, okay. oh, like, uh, anyway, some story I saw said, boom, that's boom one. QAnon says there will be three boom one, two, three, and four this week. It's like, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> you can, you know, it's as bad as the blood moon thing. Like, sure. oh, there was a blood yeah, moon yeah. a year after, a year Nibiru. before this big event. Yeah. Nibiru. Uh, so, I, my uh, unstudied take is uh, uh, bogus. Bogus for the QAnon. This, yeah. uh, but this, this child trafficking thing in uh in uh arizona it's got a lot of people really worked up it's in tucson i guess and they found some like weird like you know uh like ropes on trees like like Mm. almost handcuffs tied to trees and then this weird like uh almost like a I don't know, I want to say dungeon, but it's like underground room with like kids' toys and stuff in it, and it's literally, oh. it's literally in a Cemex. Like so you've heard, you've seen, or you've seen that company, Cemex, C E M E X, the cement company. They call it Cemex, mm. um, but it's literally in like a abandoned Cemex place down there in Tucson. And you know, you got the mainstream news who was saying no evidence of a child's, you know. Uh, of a child trafficking ring, whereas all the YouTubes are blowing up and there's Facebook live streaming and a bunch of kids' shoes are found. And it's just like, it's just this weird thing. And so, so wait a second. So no evidence of child trafficking. So they're saying it's just, uh, it's just a, you know, a cool underground kids playground yeah. <laughs> that parents bring their kids to, to play. And then, Abandoned CMEX <laughs> plant. So that's, that's that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. They're saying it's just a homeless encampment and nothing to see here. Move along. So, and I'm not saying it's a huge conspiracy. I'm also not saying there's nothing there. But you know, one thing that's I've started to notice. This is kind of the direction that the conspiracy realm has gone, especially in the last two or three years. Um, anytime I look into that 
zone. And you and me used to be right at home in there, man. I mean, you wrote a book that has one, you know, <laughs> the whole cover is a conspiracy theory. But it's like mm-hmm. now, it, I, it's all child child stuff, man, all the time. It's mm. PizzaGate, and then it's this, and then it, it's it's always child trafficking or child, you know sex or whatever and it's it's messed up it's like and i'm starting to wonder like okay yeah so let's think like one side of the coin is like hey so this stuff is being unearthed and i think you and i both believe that it really is happening behind the scenes and that it always has been happening whether it's the aztec pyramids or back in the old testament it's just it's nothing new right it's we're still there's Mm. it's still happening um but it, it feels like that's what a lot of the focus is on and it's it feels like it's consuming people as it should yeah. it's absolutely horrible stuff that's happening but it with the with the QAnon slant on it and then this thing in Tucson and people Facebook live streaming and then Reddit threads popping up and then it you know it's all over YouTube and then the accounts are getting deleted and it's back up it's exhausting to even look at but it it, it it almost seems like it's like a, like a like a you know treat to to take care of the the mat. Like you ever see those movies where the 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 uh, prowler breaks into a yard, right? And he's gonna go and he's gonna rob this house. He's got bad intentions, and the dog comes up and he just pulls like bacon out of his pocket and like throws it to the side. That's what it feels like. It feels like there's just like mm. some bacon thrown to the side, and people are just losing their crap about it. And there's so much else to talk about or think about. Um, and I also think it's bad for you spiritually to like be thinking about those things and like seeing uh, it. And I think it can view it can affect your view of not just the world, but it's so almost like the enemy. I mean, you and I Christians, we believe the enemy is Satan. It's almost like he's like, you know, hey, yeah, this stuff is happening, and there's nothing you could do about it, and it's like, hey, you should discover more about what's really happening. You know what I mean? And so it, it just brings right. out this, it's like... so powerful and evil and cool. Yes, yeah. that it, like, it, 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 mess, it messes with you, man, it, like, on a spiritual, you know, very deep level, because it's horrible. I mean, I think that's, that's, yeah. that's why, that's how the whole spirit you know world here well, here on earth works is it's absolutely the worst thing that can happen and, and so the devil gets it to happen and then in return gives you know power to you know the people that do it or whatever it is but it to like it's become an obsession now and this is crazy talk from a guy who literally you know found out about stuff like this and then came back to jesus because of it but it just feels like it's real consuming now and dark and it, it's of course it's dark. I, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and it, It's almost like the externalization the, of the, the hierarchy, other, and then you well, get people... So, I, I, yeah, I, I think there's totally stuff going on. I do think, though, that there is a... You know, it's the old Clinton playbook on how do you deal with the scandal you put out a fake scandal... Like so, there with the would, whole pizza with the Pizzagate thing, there was like there was creepy stuff in those emails. Oh, absolutely, and, that, and creepy that Instagram place, photos. The pizza place was creepy, but they weren't literally selling kids in the basement. And the you know, okay, the kid taped to the table. You can see that as a joke. Fine, 
Um, so focusing all on that was a was a trap, or it was a it was getting people away from looking further into it, and it was providing an excuse for the mainstream media to say, "Oh, look at the crazy nut jobs." They think uh, you know all pizza places are child trafficking things. So the but on the, on the other side, I, I do think, um, you know, I think it's real. I think someone's got to look into it. I I can't handle looking yeah. into it and obsessing over it. Um, and it might just be affecting me differently because I have a kid now. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, if uh, on the one hand, if you're like uh, Res Dizdar and you're actually like ministering to people to victims of this, um, more power to you. Absolutely. If you're just obsessing on it, uh, online without any, you know, a, ability to, to take any positive action or, or do anything effective and it's ruining your, you know, your mental and spiritual health and yeah, don't do it. So let me, yeah. let me put it this way. Last night I was looking into it a little bit. And I and I kind of stopped and you know shut shut my my uh, computer off and kind of push it to the side and I started praying about it because it's just like this is you know horrible stuff and I know you're in charge of all this stuff right like so you're gonna some someday some way everybody's gonna pay for what they've done and, and that's you know I it, that's awesome I take comfort in that and then I just started thinking like wait and uh, you know my just kind of praying about it it's like that time would have been better spent reading the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, I know, like, learning about it is probably important on some level. Like, hey, this is really what the world is like and what's happening in the world. But, like, the hour that I've, like, wasted looking into this, this and that and finding deleted videos and on to Reddit and then on to 4chan or whatever, I probably just could have read the Bible for an hour and been better off, <laughs> right? God's Word. And in it, Solomon's talking about nothing new under the sun. They're talking about child sacrifice in the Old Testament, right? There's, there's nothing. There's no, no. But I'm not going to shock any of the people in the Bible to, about to this the, stuff, am I? To the point where it was a revolutionary and unique law to not sacrifice children. Yeah, you cannot sacrifice right. your firstborn, which, which was a, you know, a unique command there but so it's not it's nothing new and i could have been better off reading the bible in with my time so anyway that, that that's just kind of my long and, and rambly rant the only you know the two things i wanted to bring to the table were that uh, sterling brown and, and then this thing and it, it really does maybe not in our circles anymore but it, it really is consuming uh, a lot of people out there well be careful people for sure for sure hey i wanted to, to point something out I have made an enormous mistake. I was a trendsetter. I deleted Facebook before everybody deleted Facebook. And then, and then I came you... back to it like an idiot. And oh, now, and now I have to watch everybody else leave it. So yeah. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I should have just stayed off of it. And then I keep, I keep telling myself I'm going to use it for business and that'll be what, it, what it's good for. And then I don't do that either. So I'm, I'm close to just deleting it again and calling it a day. But yeah. Um, it, meanwhile, their stock through the roof again. So um, nothing's changed. Everybody's back to browsing it or doing whatever they were doing with it. I think they're losing millennials 
in droves, but then the same millennials are using Instagram or WhatsApp. So it's a, those are all Facebook properties as well. Yeah. Yeah. My dad did uh, bring up to me um, the other day. He's like, you know, when you said uh, everything's crashing down and to get uh, gold and silver and sell the stocks, you know, it's like, yeah, I was probably wrong about that. He's like, yeah, you know, I did have 900 shares of Amazon at one point. <laughs> probably would have been good to hold on to those. Oh I'm like, yeah, gosh. yeah, that probably would have been probably would have been a good thing. Oh my god. <laughs> so I talk I talk to people at work, and I'm like, I was like, well, why do you listen to me? <laughs> what do I know? I talk to people at work. I'm like, where do, you know, because I literally have to find out how much they make and where they work. Sometimes I'm like, oh, we're at Amazon. Yeah, how much do you make? You know, a month before taxes, and they're like, like salary, huh? Like the money? <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, the money, not the stock. No, not the stock. <laughs> like, <"Ugh." laughs> yeah, must be nice over there, buddy. <laughs> anyway, um, so on a on a related story mm-hmm. to your Facebook quitting. Um, WhatsApp, which I've never had WhatsApp, but I hear it. People thought it was cool until Facebook bought it. Um, so, WhatsApp co founders Jan Coom and Brian Acton, who sold their company to Facebook in 2014, they quit the social media giant um, before their agreement. So it cost them a combined $1.3 billion in um, by forfeiting the stock they would have picked up just by, you know, staying through, I think, this November. <laughs> That's all the longer they had to wait. Uh, one of them, Brian Acton, posted on Twitter, it is time, hashtag, hashtag delete Facebook. <laughs> so not only did he quit the company, He's posting another other social media to Wait, so delete I, your Facebook hold account. On. I heard I heard this from I heard this back in March, and I thought this was a big deal. This guy actually has a conscience. The other guy had already left. WhatsApp started as a uh, encrypted message to message, right? Uh, with no advertising, with you no paid advertising, for, you paid for the product. You paid oh, for the product, and just to point this out, I know we do have international listeners. Andrew, I got news for you. This is the text messaging app of much of the world because there is no SMS charges. It's, it is just straight encrypted data back and forth. Uh, the problem <laughs> is it's owned by Facebook now and encrypted, we don't know. <laughs> right. Um, right. So the co-founders left future payout on the table, deciding to walk away. Acton left in September, effectively forfeiting $900 million, And then... Who announced his plan to exit in April of this year stands to lose four hundred. So it's kind of a BS story because he left in March, and in March, when the Cambridge Analytica thing came out, he said, "Time to delete Facebook. It's time, right?" And then the stock. No, no. Yes. The guy that had already quit. The guy that had quit in September is the one who said, "Delete Facebook." Okay. Acton he, left in, oh, I he see. left in September. I see. I see. But the other guy just left in April of this year, just after the March twentieth tweet by the other guy. He only lost a he lost 
Come on, Andrew. Don't do math like the government. He didn't lose any money. He lost potentially money that he could have gained because after it plummeted, it skyrocketed because nobody actually changed their browsing habits. You had some old people or some young people, I should say, deleting it here and there. But overall, everyone's still using it. And so the guy, you know, didn't gain 400,000, 400 million or whatever. But, you know, those guys, they're okay with me. They sold out, unfortunately. Um, but at least they kind of saw the error of their yeah, ways. They, yeah. I'm, and then there was, there was another story about, like, how they didn't like being on Facebook's campus. And right, I don't know. Right. Well, and, you know, as they talked about, in as, as old Zuck talked about when he and they did sell for 22 billion so i think they're doing okay. yeah they're doing fine when he was talking about <laughs> reading the messages in real time on the stuff that was happening in Myanmar, you know you gotta wonder since facebook now owns whatsapp you know are they reading their mm-hmm. your whatsapp messages in real time as well <clears throat> uh you should wonder and you should uh suspect that that is the case I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, come out and, and admit something, Mr. Andrew Hoffman, that I usually would not. Um, I don't know. I didn't really understand how big of a deal t- the Tiananmen Square massacre was, and I guess we're just passing the, uh, the anniversary this last month um, of the Tiananmen Square massacre, which is now in uh, China known as any Tuesday, any other Tuesday in the year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they don't. Yeah, you're, not, you're not allowed to make a big deal out. No, of it. as a matter of fact, I guess we, the China was mad that the that the U.S. news even acknowledged it. But I guess this was a 25 year anniversary or 89 to I guess 30 year anniversary or something close to that. Um, yeah, I guess it'd be closer to 30. But anyway, the uh, I had always thought. And what's written in the textbooks, I was talking to one of my coworkers about this. I said, Tam and Square, how many people died? He's like, two or three hundred. And I laughed, because that's exactly what it says in the Wikipedia. And then it also, at the bottom, says there was a claim that there was 1,500 to 3,000 deaths. Like, But it's never, you know. Uh, anyway, let me read this from the Independent. Death toll from the 1989 Tiananmen Square Massacre was at least 10,000 people. Killed by a Chinese yeah. army unit whose troops lick, likened them to pri- uh, primitives, a secret diplomatic cable alleged. The newly declassified document, written little more than 24 hours after the massacre, gives a much higher death toll than the most commonly used estimates, which only go up to 3,000. It also provides in horrific detail the massacre, alleging that the wounded female students were bayoneted as they begged for their lives. Human remains were hosed down the drain, and a mother was shot as she tried to go to the aid of her injured three-year-old daughter. Written on January, or excuse me, June 5, 1989 by Sir Alan Donald, then British ambassador to China, the hitherto secret cable has been placed in the UK National Archives at Kew, where it was found by the news website HK01. Tiananmen Square, uh, the ambassador said in his account of the massacre on the night of June third and fourth was based on information from a source that had spoken to a good friend in Chinese state council, effectively its ruling cabinet. The state council member, Sir Allen said, had previously proved reliable and was careful to separate fact from speculation and rumor. In unflinching detail, Sir Allen told London that the atrocities against thousands of pro-democracy protesters in and around Beijing's Tiananmen Square have been coordinated by the 27th Army of the Xingxi, Xingxi province? 
whose troops he described described as 60% illiterate and were also called primitives. Uh, Sir Allen said previous waves of troops have gone in unarmed to disperse the protesters, many of whom were students. He then wrote the 27 a- Army APCs, armored personnel carriers, opened fire on, on the crowd before running over them. APCs ran over troops and civilians uh, at 65 kilometers per hour or 40 miles per hour. Sir Allen added that Students understood they were given one hour to leave the square, but after five minutes, APCs attacked. Students linked arms but were mowed down. APCs then ran over the bodies time and time again to, quote, make pie, unquote, and remains collected by a bulldozer. Remains were incinerated, then hosed down the drains. Well, Uh, and because the only thing you ever see from that is the person in front of the tank, right? Yep. So the person in front of the tank, well, the tank operator was a local right and so they're you know they didn't want to run them over well they got the troops from the other part of the country that weren't uh didn't have any qualms about killing everyone in sight were there a short time later right so sir allen's cable uh stated that the violent repression of tiananmen square protests occurred after some members of China's state government council had come to consider the civil war was imminent. Excuse me, civil war was imminent. Sir Allen reported a speculation that Deng... Z- I'm going to mess this up. Deng... Uh, Just say with confidence. Xi Ping's communist uh, government... <laughs> communist government chose the 27th Army for the operation because its troops were the most reliable and obedient. He reported that, from what he had been told, the 27th Army troops had used dum-dum bullets and snipers shot many civilians on balconies, street sweepers, etc., for target practice. 27th Army was ordered to spare no one, he wrote. Wounded students begged for their lives. But The cable also alleges the massacre continued after the first wave of killings. He wrote, a thousand survivors were told they could escape, but then were mown down by specifically placed machine guns. Army ambulance who attempted to get rid of the aid were shot up. Excuse me, to, to give aid were shot up, as was Sinu Japanese Hospital Ambulance. With medical crew dead, wounded driver attempted to ram attackers but was blown to pieces by anti tank weapon. In another incident, the cable so, troops uh, even shot one of its own officers. Are you looking forward to the Chinese century, Tim? No, to be honest with you, I, pardon my ignorance, I knew that they were bad, but this is 1989, man. This is like five minutes ago. Yeah. In, uh, you know. And that same Communist Party is still in charge yeah. with the guy that just uh, made himself president for life. Yeah. It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Uh, anyway, the final sentence of Sir Allen's cable but reads... Tr- but tr- Trump likes him, so we shouldn't worry about it too much. Oh, good. The final <laughs> sentence of Sir Allen's cable reads, Minimum estimate of civilian dead, 10,000. It's way above the numbers issued by the Chinese government, which has been numbered between two and three hundred. Chinese yeah. Chinese Red Cross claimed twenty seven hundred, and that's crazy, man. Well, I just didn't. I, well, I, I pardon my ignorance, man. I didn't know. I didn't know it was Ma- like that. Mao Mao killed off, you know, between starving them to death and everything else in the Cultural Revolution, sixty million people. Right. That's. So, I mean, human human life is not uh, not very valued. Yeah, I saw a meme on Reddit or something. It was a picture of Mao, and it's and he's like laughing, and it says, 
<laughs> that feeling when you've killed four to to six more or four to five times more people than Hitler, but nobody really cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. When was the last time people complained about Mao? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trump is literally he's literally Mao. <laughs> Stalin killed the uh, Stalin killed a lot more I mean I probably think, 20 million people. I think yeah, Stalin's up there too. Um I'm watching uh Oliver's Not that it, it's I mean yeah. It's horrific evil beyond imagination there. No, the Chinese it, the Chinese it, it's, one it, it's the reason it's the reason why you don't want the government to have absolute power. Well, and that's another thing. I'm, I'm I'm sitting there reading it, and I read a lot. Like I, this is the the short article I'll read for this, because of course I found out, you know, got wind of this, and just started digging into all kind everything I could find. And I read like photocopies of paperwork that's online. You know, I read as, as much as I could, because you know what else am I going to do at work? No one else is coming in to buy a car, so just read about the Tiananmen Square <laughs> massacre. So anyway, <laughs> the. Uh, the, this this was an issue, right? Like leading up the few months up to this point, the stuff was kind of breaking down. <laughs> Students were stopping traffic. Yeah. There was a lot of, of talk of like unions, and this is you know an uprising, and you know they were like, and the the, uh, the force the the uh, the army forces weren't able to actually stop them because like you said there were a lot of locals, so they would get called in, and then a bunch of them would turn and end up being with the people. And then it just kind of one like bloody night. They're just like, mm, no, that's it, yep. done. And uh, you know, supposedly uh, get this: Henry Kissinger was involved. Are you okay? I know you have to pick yourself up off the floor. Yeah. But- <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, uh, you know, the Bilderberg story. Notice that Kissinger's name wasn't in there, but you know he's there. Oh, for sure. It's just yeah. like a sacred cow that kind of has to be there at this point. Oh, look at him. He's still coming. It's like a, like an old drunk at a bar. Like, oh, he's still here. <laughs> look at him. Yeah. There he is. He's always here. Like you wheel in uh, David Rockefeller's head in a jar, <laughs> reanimated for the event. Yes. Hello, Henry. Uh, the Rockefeller story that made national news. Their their small art sale they had. Jeez. Yes, yeah. That's it, that's something else, man. Those poor kids only yeah. allowed to take a million dollar piece of art each. And one of the, one of the things that blew my mind, and I want to get back to what I was just talking about, but one of the things that blew my mind about that is you you talk about the their art sold off their walls, yet they're never mentioned in any like top one hundred richest people in the world, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, never mentioned. They, 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 they got a billion dollars in art on the wall. Just they had bi- a billion dollars in uh, three houses, just like on the wall, on the wall, just, to, <laughs> just you know, just on the wall. Like, like right now in my house, I, I probably have, I don't know, what do you think, Andrew? Three hundred dollars on the wall, like tops, <laughs> total, like a oh. a mirror and a few. Yeah, <laughs> a few uh, picture frames, but anyway. Yeah. Um, back to the China thing, though, for a half a second. It also made me think, like, okay, so here's a good reason to have guns, like, right? Like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> it just because yep. you can't get mowed down in a giant square full of people if some people have guns, and that's you know that's real. I don't know. It's uh, 
It's funny, you know, uh, old Paul. And, Paul and Paul don't think that don't think that uh, our government is incapable of, you know, if given the opportunity, is incapable of killing ten thousand people to prevent a civil war or you know prevent an uprising. Exactly. Like, don't forget uh, about my thirty seconds of fame where I created that Dwight Schrute uh, meme where I said that Sandy Hook was not the largest mass shooting in American history. It was actually wounded knee. Yeah. Majority of women and children killed. So, um, yeah, our good friend Paul came up here staying in an Airbnb. The instructions weren't clear. He had to go prowl around the back of this house that the people were like staying in upstairs and he had to find this entrance. And he said for a minute, he got real nervous, and then he remembered he wasn't in Texas, so he figured yeah. <laughs> they would ask questions before shooting. Yeah. Hey, who's those two people in our backyard? I don't know. Why don't you ask them? <laughs> Tim, I was happy I wasn't in Texas. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, I guess there was uh, an attempted school shooting, and some guy stopped it with a gun. Did you see that story? Yeah. yeah. Not covered on the national news. Not co- no. Not covered. No. Not covered. So, um, what's really, I mean, what's the news focusing on? Trump, I'm sure, for one crazy reason or another. It, it is, uh, um, well, so you had... Uh, We've moved on from, uh, what's her so, name? Someone who nice. I recognized her, but... Uh, you know, I'm not much of a purse buyer, so Kate Spade. Ah. What? So her um, suicide, you know, I'm House. just waiting for the Your Newswire story about Kate Spade was about to reveal child pedophile rings oh, wait, with did the she, Did she die? Uh, she hung herself with a scarf, is what, what they're saying. Oh, wow. So, Interesting. Um so that's been uh that's been big news but it, on the uh the Trump derangement syndrome front mm-hmm. uh Brit Hume said he he reposts Brit Hume who's like a conservative Fox News yeah, I know. journalist I know who he is every time I see him I just want to, I just I don't know he's like a caricature of an old Fox News guy yeah in real life like I'd love to yeah. like meet him and talk to him about like you know the Mets or something, just something not like what he talks about on Fox News. It just cracks me. Well, up. so yeah, he's he's kind of like the voice of reason mm-hmm. character, you know. Um, but anyway, so he said he posted on Twitter uh, something. They just reposted a meme thing that said, you know, people all around you are struggling with things you know nothing about. Like always, be kind to people. And he said he got a crazy amount of like Trump hate reacting to that statement that had it. that he was posting in reference to the Kate Spade's suicide, you know, kind of a, like a mental health deal. And uh, it's like, oh, how can you say that? You support Trump, so it's like, I don't, and it's it is true. It's like. Uh, Never forget, they booed the golden rule when Ron Paul said it. I mean, it's... But uh, when everything has to be seen through the lens, like, yeah. 
this 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 is this is Trump's game. Like when I mean, he's taken over. You you can't talk about the NFL. NFL players can't talk. ESPN's constantly talking about Trump. You know, Trump's reaction to the NFL's anthem policy. Uh, Colin Kaepernick people, wasn't signed to one of his teams because the guy had second thoughts after hearing the president. Did you know that, Andrew? Did you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, we don't know who killed Kennedy, yeah. but we knew, we do know Colin Kaepernick has been blackballed because he doesn't want to stand up for the flag and, you know, whatever. But that whole thing was like it was pretty much going away, you know. It was. But Trump now, brought it back. Yeah. Or Trump and, Cap- and Kaepernick's on it. Well, then Kaepernick's trying to sue the Seahawks or Pete Carroll. It's like he's just given up on sports altogether. Like he's not going to get a team now. And it's possible to get blackballed, not have done anything. Tim Tebow, anyone? Can anybody explain to me why he is not on any team at all at any position? Seriously. Because yeah. the media circus he brought along with it, and the media circus that wasn't just media circus, and then it was hey Black Lives Matter. It was media circus and I love Jesus, and I'm going to yeah. talk about it all the time, at an annoying we amount of time. Can't have that. And then I'm going to kneel down in the end zone before the game, and I'm going to be super public about my love of Jesus. Where's his suit? Yeah, <laughs> he's an athlete. No, he's an athlete. He, he could definitely play. At a, a a position in the game, he's you know he's playing minor league baseball and he'll be in the XFL in twenty twenty. <laughs> there you go, there you go. So uh, anyway, um, one of these days we should talk about the University of Washington and the Pac twelve. Do you know how hard it is to get into these schools now, man? Uh, as a white person, oh, as a white, yes, it's real bad, bud, real bad. Yeah. I got a neighbor who's got a nephew, straight A student, amazing basketball player. He cannot get into a Pac-12 school. Same neighbor is uh, works with the airlines and constantly, you know, gets to know people who are headed overseas to recruit people from China to come to school at University of Washington, go to school at UCLA. UCLA is well over 70 percent like uh, foreign exchange students, Chinese students, right? Um, yeah, it's kind of weird, man. So now we're actually like our higher education that everybody goes into student debt for the real schools, the good schools, the university schools, the state run schools going to uh, foreign students because they get more money and they'll pay higher tuition. Meanwhile, you're yes. super good at shooting hoops and you got straight A's and you're from Washington, but you're white. Mm. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No room for you. There's possibly a community college for you. Yep, you better work your way up. Uh, go to go to trade school tomorrow. Yeah, go to trade school. That's <laughs> right. Go to trade school. Learn how to park aircraft carriers. Learn how to work on a crane tomorrow. Yes. Tomorrow, I think I'll buy Young Kilkenny a, a set of golf clubs. Because yeah. after all, you could always just walk onto a Pac-12 school if, if you're a good golfer. <laughs> uh, n- Man, there's a lot of good golfers out there. <laughs> and th- there's a lot of uh, hedging good golfers, too. So. <laughs> yeah. You might want to th- rethink this one, Tim. If the Pac-12 is all Chinese, there's going to be some good golfers. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, have we uh, officially at least ruffled the feathers of everybody? 
I think we've done enough. We've done for enough today. It's just you and me, man. Just just me, some dude sitting in my one car garage in the dark, talking yeah. talking to a microphone, talking to my buddy, hey, sharing it, my thoughts. It helps keeps me. I have I have not posted anything. It helps keeps me sane to too, Facebook man. since we started the show back yeah, up. Yeah, helps so keeps me this, sane too. I I. Uh, I actually was like earlier today was like, ah, I got to get some of this out. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So yep. Hopefully it helps keep you guys sane out there Cheaper too. Cheaper than to he- therapy. That's right. Hopefully it keeps somebody out there sane just to hear us talking about it too. Uh, and if you don't agree with this, that's awesome. But, uh, you know, let us know what you don't agree with and, you know, email us. We may not change our mind, but we like to hear from other people. If you're around the world and you have some other view of it, it'd be awesome to hear from you. Also, Thank you to the kind lady who listened to our show for a long time. And, uh, gosh, I should actually read that email. I know we got to wrap it up. But she she basically told me a natural way to kill ants. She said she lives, oh, nice. she lives in the high desert. She's listened to us for a long time. And yeah. uh, she told us a natural way to kill ants and said that... Uh, kill ants without poisoning your child. So. Yes. Good. Exactly. And uh, she said... Oh, can we read this email on your podcast? Yes. This is Karina... I'm a mom of three boys, five, seven, and ten. I try to live as organic and natu- uh, natural as I can. I live in Southern California in the Mojave Desert, and we have ants mm. everywhere. <laughs> I, yeah. I use a product called TeroBait. You can find it at Walmart or anywhere else. It's basically just made from borax. You can make it yourself, but I find the store-bought stuff to be about the same, if not easier. It's not good for the baby to get, but it's also not a pesticide you spray either. It's a bait box with liquid in it. You set it in the path of the ants, blah, 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 blah. They start to eat it. Anyway, at the end, she says uh, it'll kill the entire colony within a week. Uh, it's pretty painless and easy on us humans. Uh, just read it up on the product and keep it out of the baby's line of sight and reach, of course. Works great. Hope it helps you guys. Good luck. I love. I just love you and Andrew. You guys are so funny and easy to listen to. I'm hard to please. I can barely tolerate my own children sometimes. Take care, <laughs> Karina. So that was, I thought that was awesome, man. Nice, uh, nice to hear from somebody like that. And uh, thank you for the tip. And uh, I'm gonna, I'll let you know how it goes with the, uh, the tarot bait. Andrew Hoffman, words of wisdom other than how to kill ants. Oh, even though I have not um, watched any of the basketball games, this is not actually a spoiler. I'd like to congratulate the Golden State Warriors <laughs> on going up 3-0. <laughs> I had a DVR, you jerk. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, but, uh, basketball is broken, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Durant killed it. Yes. Just like Kevin Durant. Nothing good ever came out of Oklahoma City. No way. He made flag Uh-oh. football great again, but he wrecked, <laughs> wrecked the NBA. Yeah. I got nothing, man. I got nothing. Can you imagine putting on the best finals performance a man can put on maybe in history and you lose it because your teammate is an idiot or I guess not an idiot. He, uh, well, he is J.R. Smith. He is J.R. Smith. Yeah. That's kind of, yeah, this is not, uh, with the territory. if, if you were to say like, okay, name an NBA player who would not know what the score is while standing at the foul line with four seconds left in the game. He's not the last name you would come up with. <laughs> he did it. He did it before with the Knicks in like 2013. Somebody dug, <laughs> somebody dug it up and 
he had done the exact same thing a few, a few okay. years back. I got to give credit to the guy, though, and I feel weird about this now. You know, you start to talk about these players and these famous celebrities and stuff, and then you forget, like, that dude had a baby that was born at, like, three months last year. Remember that? Mm, no, I don't. Yeah, he had, it was, like, 90 days or something. The super, wow. super, super preemie. He could, like, basically hold her in the palm of his hand and had to, like, feed her. And, like, you know, she was hooked up to all these tubes. And then, you know, anyway, she make, she lives, right? She makes it all the way through, you know, and, and lives. It's amazing what modern medicine can do, you know, in the in that arena, at least. And, you know, mm-hmm. he just shows him, like, tearing up about it and praying about it. And, you know, you got just sometimes you just got to remember that, you know, they're, they're real people, too, going through real things. And, uh Hopefully, J.R. Smith's girl is doing well. Yeah. Yep. And we, we don't need any, uh, you know, S- South American country style where they the goalie gives up a, go- a goal in a big game and gets shot the next day. We don't need any of that. Yeah, we so. definitely don't need any of that. If the guy from Liverpool can live, we, sh- we should let J.R. Smith live. Yes. <laughs> oh. I was. I thought I was shooting in the dark, Andrew. He got the. Reference. Oh no! I, I have no idea what. Oh okay. Soccer thing. I don't. Yeah. Oh. I'm an, I'm an American. Oh, team. here I it goes. I'm an American. <laughs> I know that we got international listeners out there. They all got the joke. Andrew, you're just a jerk. <laughs> ESPN cannot make me like soccer. All right, buddy, always good to talk to you, and let's try and do it again next week. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com. And thank you for your support of this podcast.